everybody. Welcome once again. You've got gas here on You've Got Gas. That's right. I got to get ready. I got to get used to that part of it. You know, because there's a whole thing of before that. Well, You've Got Gas. I'm Hot Rod Bob Beck along with Anna Octane and the inimitable Bruce Barker. Hey, we're here. We're back. It's another week here on Gas. And we are streaming live at gotgas.com and Facebook. You go to GAS, G-A-A-S, the Great American Auto Scene on Facebook, and we are streaming live in both locations. Now, if you happen to miss this, then you're not hearing what I'm saying. But if you do miss it or you (laughs) want to see the show over again, it will be an archive later tonight. And we will be playing it on the website, on the Got Gas website. You go into archive, and there it is. So you've got gas once again here on Gas, yeah, the yeah. Great American Odyssey. Odyssey. You know, if I ever get confused by that, Bob, too, all yes. I have to do, and uh, I'm sure you're the same. It's I turn around, and there's these giant yes. screens everywhere you look. That yes, uh, and we have gas. There's no no, no question about that. <laughs> all right, so you've heard from me, and you've heard from Bruce, but what about Anna? I just have the Great American Auto scene. I don't have gas. <laughs> You know, and we're very thankful for that at the moment. Yeah. Wait a minute, what are you talking about? Maybe it's something else entirely. It might know. be. Well, you know, it's a woman, and you know, I've understood. <laughs> I, you know, it's hard to. I found that if they don't talk a lot, <laughs> the pressure has to build up. It's oh, got to no. go someplace. With a guy, oh. we don't talk a lot. We know where it goes. Oh, oh, no. But that's oh. another story. Oh. Yeah, um, TMI. Too much TMI. information. <laughs> we are having too much fun. It's Gas, your hot rotting show. We tell you what's hot, what's not, what's going to be, and what could be in the world of hot rotting, tabletop, racing and building, model cars and so forth, as well as regular nostalgia drag racing, drag racing, whatever hits the news, this is the show for the guy who knows, or gal, that knows that ricky-ticky sound under the hood, you know what it is. If you don't know what that sounds are, what those sounds are, I don't want to talk to you. That's not what the show's about. We're not going to help you buy a car. We're not going to help you talk to the dealer. We're not going to tell you which new car is better. We don't care about new cars. This is about the good old stuff. Yeah. With one exception tonight, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about the RPM Act that affects everybody in the hot rodding and racing industry. And Anna's got some more information for you on that. Ah, good. Hey, you know, speaking of old cars, Bob and Anna, yes. I was uh, up in uh, just the upper end of the valley in which the Great American Audio Scene uh, Auto Scene Studio is located here, yes. and uh, at, at Galpin Ford and Galpin yes. Mazda and the whole Galpin mess up there. Because of course they have lots of classic cars, cars right. the, the kind of cars we're into. Well, because my wife was doing a test drive she's going to pick up a new Mazda mm-hmm. and uh, in their Mazda showroom yeah. they've got an old Cosmo that's oh, just in gorgeous yeah. shape and I was just going man can we drive that Yeah, I think it's a 1970 I think a 70 could, Cosmo could be and for those of you who are not astute on imports Cosmo was the top of the line coupe that Mazda brought in the country here. And it was a very swoopy coupe, yeah. very comfortable, very luxurious for the time, mm-hmm. and it was powered by their rotary engine. Yeah, the rotary engine. So I, I listened to a recording of that engine. It revs mm-hmm. much higher. I wasn't aware of this, Anna. It, it revs way higher than a typical piston engine. Yes. And so, wow, the sound that comes out of that exhaust pipe is crazy. When I was racing SCCA, we had a couple of guys that started bringing out the RX-2s. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was the, the hot little sport coupe they had. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. Extremely noisy. We went down to Holtville running an SCCA race. And I was working pit crew on an H production car. 
and we could hear the Mazda no matter what part of the track he was on. We couldn't see them, but you heard them. They finally had to muffle the Mazdas down because once they do the porting, and they were called peripheral port, I believe, on those cars, huh. they got extremely loud because a, a Mazda rotary is basically a two-stroke. And you know how two-stroke bikes are loud. Yes. Well, now you got these twin rotors with huge amounts of air and fuel going in. Yeah. And they make a lot of noise. They are extremely loud. And, of course, that high winding, the oh. high RPMs. Yeah. Now, they're, they're, they've got an issue with uh, the gears meshing because, unlike a piston engine, there's no crank. Well, there's a crankshaft to an extent, but it is a geared piece to the rotor. And as the rotor spins, it turns the main shaft. There's only a, uh, three, I think it is, moving parts on a rotary motor. You've got two rotors, and you've got there what would be a crankshaft. You don't have rods. You, you don't have pistons. In, in normal effect, you've got a, a triangular-shaped rotor. Sure. There's no valves. There's holes in the casing. Yeah. They don't have a block. They've got a case. <laughs> and as the rotor goes past that hole, it draws in the fuel and air, and it goes past the next hole, it, it expels it. Sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's gas. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's oh, got that's, gas. That's, that's gas. That's, that's gas. But and you you had me at Swoopy Coop. I did. Oh, yes, and that's what make, that would yes. make me buy it. Yeah, and it's yeah. very svelte. It's, yeah. it's surprisingly, um, well, you know, of course, cars didn't have the crash test, the big fat no. bumpers and stuff then. But it's it's so uh, minuscule and yet just pretty. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's well. Anyway. Anyway. That's a way other uh, tangent. But, uh, I, you know, we, we were talking about new cars and old cars. And yeah. I was just going, you know, i got to tell somebody about this Cosmo, man. That's true. Now, uh, on another side of that, our sponsor, as always, Famoso Speed Shop, Randy and Stormy, the guys that are building the cars for tomorrow that we ra- raced yesterday. <laughs> Do you know what their logo is? No. Yes. Their logo is Famoso Speed Shop. We eat racetracks for breakfast. Yes. And <laughs> is they, that right? Yes. And they use the side of a Bantam Roadster as their logo. Uh, we had... Stormy and Randy on the show last time, and we're going to have Randy in studio one week when we can sneak him out of Bakersfield. He has to do that because he doesn't have papers to leave the city. <laughs> so we're going to work on that and get him here to the studio and talk to, to Randy and Stormy sometime in the future. We'll talk about some of the projects they've got going on at the Famoso Speed Shop. The Famoso Mob building some awesome cars. We saw some pictures of it last time. We're going to bring in more. they got some new projects coming online, and we'll be talking to them more. And then also coming online in the next few weeks, Moon Eyes. Excellent. Moon Equipment Keeping, the legend alive, and they'll be here with us uh, as well. We'll talk to them. They've got some events coming up. As always, their Christmas party in December at Irwindale Drag Strip. Uh, But other things going on throughout the year, including their Yokohama show that I went to, and it is amazing. Yeah. I'll tell you what. But, Anna, we're going to talk about laws and the legal ramifications. Right now, EPA is trying to shut down the car hobby. They're doing it in a backdoor way by making, modifying new production cars into full-time race cars illegal. Anna, you've got the information on that. Yes. The California Air Resource Board are the Nazis of California. Mm. Basically, they need to justify their job. We don't have smog here anymore. Not Uh, much. Not much. And 
You know, SEMA, which is the Specialty Equipment Manufacturing Association, do you know that Wally Parks and Robert E. Peterson from Hot Rod Magazine were involved in starting that? They were starting that with Ed Iskandarian and a number of other manufacturers back in the uh, late 60s. Right. Well, SEMA is trying to protect uh, motorsports as a hobby because the state of California is trying to control what you do with your vehicle. They don't want you to take uh, a production car and turn it into a race car. They say that it produces emissions. And that's not necessarily true. So they instituted the RPM Act last year, but now we've got a uh, change in leadership with Trump, and it has to be represented to Congress. Mm. So that's what they're doing. And we need the support. We need people to write into their senators and uh, go online and and type up their their objections. uh, Because if you squelch racing, you kill an entire motorsports industry. Yeah, to be to be a little clear on that, what's happening is there are a number of new cars out there that are very popular. Camaros, Mustangs, Cadillac CTSV, for example. Uh, a whole host of performance vehicles from the imports and the domestics. It's, it doesn't matter which manufacturer it is. But what the California EPA is trying to get through, and what the federal EPA is trying to get through, is a ban on taking a car like that and converting it to a full-time race car. Now, think about it for a second. If it's a drag race car, which a good majority of the new cars are are destined to become sure in this situation, you're not going to find a brand new Camaro all of a sudden with numbers on it and going roundy-round racing. Right. That, that's not going to happen. So you're going to find these at the drag strip. Uh, Chevrolet has a program, a part number program, where you can buy a Copo Camaro, but a privateer may be not able to buy something that expensive. Same thing with Ford. Uh, they've got the Cobra Jet. Chrysler's working on the variations of their Hellcat and uh, others. But what the EPA is saying is you cannot take that car and make it a dedicated race car that will never be taken on the street again because it's going to pollute too much. Now, a quarter mile or a thousand feet at a time or an eighth mile at a time is not going to produce emissions that are excessive. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're pulling the catalytic converter off. It just means you're making this car a drag race or a race car only. Now, EPA is trying to stop that, take the ability out of your hands to make a car into a race car. And what that's going to do is, in the long run... Whenever that law, if that law does go into effect, from then on, you can never take a new car and make it into a race car. So as the as years pass by, you're going to have to have an older and older car that predates that law to become a race car. Got it. So as those dry up, racing will dry up. The same thing has to do with the hot rodding industry. They're going after that. I know there's been a number of laws. California even has a limit on what how many cars can be registered each year to match what they replicate. For example, the Cobra kit cars is most notable. Uh, there are 750 slots a year in the state of California that you can take a replica, whether it's the Cobra, a early Ford, a Corvette, whatever replica you choose, and there's a number of different replicas out there. The first 750 can get an exemption and register them as the vehicle they replicate. Otherwise, they've got to have the same emissions as the year of the engine. And they get registered as the year that you're registering. Wow. So if you've got a 1963 replica Cobra, for example, a small block 289, 260 Cobra replica, and you want to register it, unless you get that waiver, 
you have to register it as, say, it's 2017 when you finish it. Oh, That's man. it. Same thing would happen with a Factory 533 Ford or anything of that nature. You know, they're also trying to limit how many miles you can drive your nostalgia vehicle as yeah. well. They want they want all the old Mustangs and Camaros smogged, and they're trying to get those uh, involved in the RPM Act as well. So, I mean, it, it's we have to understand how it affects every other area and, and really what it is in order to be able to protect our hobby. If you, if you just blindly, like, write in a letter and you sound like an idiot, they're, they're not going to read it. Yeah. Um, but they do log every single call that comes in. So the more votes we get, and, and you know, hot rodding is an American tradition, and especially in Southern California, I think we should protect that. Yeah. But because driving, they're saying, is a privilege, not a right, and they're dictating mm. what we can and cannot drive, literally. Yeah, and if you look at something, if you want to get involved in this, SEMA's got the, the vernacular, or they've got a, a, a template that you can use, that you can send in. You just go to the SEMA website, mm. and the SANS, the Special Equipment Hot Rodders Association uh, section, the, I guess you'd call it the civilian section when you're not part of the manufacturer's uh, association, but you can get the template letter, you can send it in, I think you can even uh, send it right from their website, can't you? Yes, you can. And you know, uh, the RPM Act is even supported by the American Motorcycle Association and, you know, uh, the truck industry as well. So it's really affecting everybody, not just um, the hot rodding community. No, and you're right. And, you know, if you've got an opposing view, I'd love to hear it. And you can call us on our 800 number. Uh, it's on our website, Got Gas, and Bruce has got that as well someplace. But uh, <laughs> yeah, 800-809-0802 in case you want. All right, so you you can call in. We'll gladly take an opposing view or supportive view if you want to call in. That's not a problem. And don't forget, any show that we do, you are welcome to call in and give your opinion about what we're talking about or some insight you may have. And I uh, just want to make a shout-out while we're talking about things like that. Bobby Schlegel, back east. He's got the hills of poppin' dragster. Yep. He's always watching the show. Has been since uh, the older days. <laughs> and as we talk, that's probably Bobby calling now. We'll, we'll find out who that is. But we are here on Gas, the Great American Auto Scene, and we're after your input on the RPM Act. And we're going to be talking to someone else a little bit later on. We've got a great show for you. And Anna, anything else to add about the RPM Act for you? Yeah, for a good time call, 1 800 809 0802. Yes, there it is right on the screen. Uh, well, it's above the screen that we're looking at. And you can call that, and we'll gladly speak to you. As a matter of fact, the phones are lighting up now, Bruce. I'm sorry, we're going to make you the secretary now. But uh, RPM Act affects all of us, whether it's a hot rod, a muscle car, or a race car. It's going to trickle down, and they're trying to ban the cars. Now, one of the things I've noticed, and I don't know, if you're out of California, it's not that big a deal, maybe. But there are 17 states that have the California emission standard. So you could be, and that includes New York, Atlanta, parts of Texas, and so forth, that are part of the California standard, the Bar 90 standard and above. Uh, I've got a 1989 Corvette. Mm. It's, it's treated as a gross polluter. Yeah. I have to go in for a special smog test on my car every two years. Wow. And if it doesn't pass... They'll, they may give me a waiver for a year if I can't get it to pass. Mm. If it doesn't pass, I get to sell it to them 
for just over a thousand dollars, and they get to crush it. Hey, nice privilege there. So the yeah. state of California is trying to eliminate the collector cars and the hobby one way, shape, or form. Uh, and there's no way of getting around it. They stopped the rolling exemption. Mm-hmm. It used to be 25 years and older. They stopped that. Now it's capped in 1976. Yeah, and just stays there. It just now. stays there. So, you know, uh, well, and as you guys know, uh, for a while it was even older cars that, that weren't really required to have much in the way of smog equipment when they were new. I had a 67 Fiat 850, which yep. has got to be one of the most underpowered cars I've ever driven. Yep. And um, it had to pass a smog check. A 1967 car. Yeah. Um, there was no smog equipment on that car. No. And uh, I couldn't get it to pass. And I fought it and fought it and fought it. Well, I got lucky. And eventually, I think the government, you know, within some months of me just not being able to drive the car, they changed the law. And uh, it became exempt. But it was like, what do you mean? And now, of course, uh, what you're talking about, Anna and Bob, is bringing that, that type of law back. Yes. Just to get the cars off the road permanently. Yeah. Yeah, And, you know, I think they're doing that with the custom cars, too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have Mitch Hines on the line, who's the grandson of... Bill Hines, the famed lead slinger, and he builds custom cars. And, you know, people in uh, Los Angeles love to personalize their vehicles. And so if you've spent all this money on a beautiful custom car and then you're only allowed to drive it 5,000 miles a year, (laughs) what's the point, you know? I bet he's got some things to say about that, too. And we're going to get to him in just a minute. But on the line with us, calling all the way from the snowbound (laughs) part of the country, Way back east, it's Bobby Schlegel. How you doing, Bobby? <laughs> hey guys, how's Hi, everything Bobby. going? We're How do- you doing? We're doing great. How about you? You you dig out from the snow yet? I know you're going to get some more snow this weekend. They say. Yeah, they're calling for probably eight to ten between uh, three o'clock in the morning to about. 12 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Oh, uh, at least you'll be sleeping most of the time. <laughs> yeah, that's not enough to work in it. I don't mind, you know, looking out the window. Well, tell me something. Does Hell's a Popping have wrinkle wall snow tires? Uh, I, you know, I found a pair of them. But, uh, it, it's, it's all tucked away for the wintertime next to the other one, so uh, I'll okay. leave them alone. <laughs> yeah, you got, you've got your two vintage dragsters that are just beautiful. You can see them on Facebook, uh, Bobby Schlegel's site. That's S-C-H-L. A-G-E-L, the hell's a poppin' car. And what's the other one called? Alley-oop. Alley-oop. Beautiful dragsters, and uh, they are true nostalgia dragsters. They are not repops. No, they're the original ones. In fact, when I did Hell's a Poppin', I was able to talk to Dode and Jimmy before Jimmy passed away, Mm -hmm. and they numbered them. uh, They said between 12 and 15 of the original twin hoop cars that they built, and this was one of them. And that's a drag master chassis, for those of you not familiar with uh, Dode Martin. Uh, Yeah, beautiful cars. I love the drag masters. One of the friends of the show uh, here... um, don't look at me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the great cartoonist, and also my mind's gone blank. I oh, the former Nickelodeon, now with Warner That's Brothers. right. Now with, yeah. Jeff DeGrandis. Jeff, Jeff DeGrandis. DeGrandis. He built a uh, yeah. double hoop uh, drag master for, and had that for a while. It was great. And then you, I've seen yours. And then there's one up at uh, Bakersfield that no longer will pass tech. So it, it's parked, but he's never going to get rid of it. It's a short wheelbase car. Jeff... Uh, so, well, they call him Drag, Dragster Jeff. Oh, yeah, Dragster Jeff, sure. Yeah. Up in, uh, so Bay they Atlantic. just turn those into cackle cars because they can't run down the you track? Know, maybe he should. That, Bobby, you, you you use yours as like a cackle car, don't you? You fire it up. Yeah, I was up at the uh, three hot rod reunions in New England when uh, the museum was out here. I had uh, both. The first year I had just Hells of Pop, and then the last two years I had both of them. Okay. That's good. And then there's uh, the gentleman that works for. Uh, 
NHRA at the start line up there. Dave, he's got his father's original twin hoop car that Dode shrunk back to uh, original length and stuff. I met him wow. when I went out for Dode's 91st birthday two years ago. Okay. Oh, that's great. And the nostalgia racing is still alive and well. And we're going to see a lot of that. We'll talk a lot about that. Uh, I'm still heavily involved in that aspect of it. The March oh, yeah. meet coming up in just a few weeks. Yep. Yep. And, that's uh, going to be awesome. It's going to be great again, uh, I'm sure. We're going to make drag racing great again. That's what we're going to. Uh, do. It's going to be fun. We get a, we get enough look. You know, everybody comes over, looks at him, and yep. the the kids of today that race, they look at him and say, "The people used to race those things." And yeah, you know, that's how it started. <laughs> well, we we do appreciate you calling in, Bobby. We've got a another guy online that's yep. waiting for us, and uh, pre- stay warm if you can. Okay. Appreciate it, and then I'm enjoying the show, and my Good. buddies are enjoying the show also. So Good, I'm keep glad. it going. Thank you. All right, thanks, Bobby. Take care now. Thanks. Be safe out there. Bye. Always. I remember you can see the show live streaming on Facebook, on Gas Great American Auto Scene on Facebook, and on our website gotgas.com. Man, what the experiment continues. It's it amazing. Does. How does all this stuff work? It's it's like some I don't know, magic. Yeah, it's magic. You have magic fingers the way you push buttons. It's yeah. it's phenomenal. Sarah says the same thing. Oh man. Well, but that's another story altogether. How's a person <laughs> keep I a- do something at the drags oh. and I'm going to do this. I'm going to open it up for all the gas viewers. If you're a drag racer and you get a perfect reaction time, we have got a perfect light pin and sticker for you. If you send us a copy of your... Let's see, hold this up so people can see it. If you send us a, a copy of your ET slip that shows a perfect reaction time, perfect reaction time, trip zip, we'll get you a perfect light sticker and pin that you can put on your your hat, Ooh, intimidate the, the guy next to you. I'm a pin guy. I, you're I a pin like guy? that pin. Well, we got the matching pin. You get the pin and the sticker. Ooh. Just send us a copy of your ET slip for 2017. I don't want to see an old one. I want to see a current one for the 2017 season. Get us a copy. Post it on Gas Great American Auto Scene on Facebook. Great American Auto Scene on Facebook. Post your perfect reaction time. And then uh, private message me on Facebook the address and I and your name, and I will send you out the pin and sticker from Gas. Yeah, because you American could do the scene. public message, but uh, that that no. would be trouble. Don't, don't want <laughs> don't want your address going out to the public. All right, Anna, you got somebody on the line that we want to talk to because this guy is living the life and letting the le- legend live. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mitch Hines, who is the grandson of famed lead slinger Bill Hines, is carrying on the tradition of leading custom cars, and we have him on the phone. He was nominated and actually received an award from SEMA as 30 Under 30, uh, the future builders uh, coming on scene. And so we're going to talk to him a little bit about custom cars. Hey, Anna, Bob, Bruce, how's it going, guys? Good. Hey, how, how's it going, Mitch? Going good. Just, uh, getting getting things straightened up over here at the shop. Yeah, what are you working on now? Uh, I'm working on a 55 Studebaker. That's going to be a full custom. We're doing French headlights and different tail lights and scoops and all kinds of fun stuff. Is that someone's Studebaker we know? No, I don't know who Studebaker that is. You don't know who Studebaker that is. Okay. <laughs> it might be a f- familiar name. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Mitch is, gonna, is doing a beautiful... Been working on here for yeah. a few months. Yeah, we, he's doing a beautiful job. Uh, you know, it's not easy to lead. It's like uh, all hand work. 
it, it's not. You want to tell us about lead, how lead supersedes Bondo? How come it's better? I mean, yeah, it's just, you know, it lasts longer, the durability of it. It's not going to crack on you in a couple years like Bondo will. It's just the old school stuff they started with and something Grandpa stuck with, and he never wanted to switch over to the, the new stuff, and he just kept kept going with the lead, and that's kind of how I picked it up and want to keep it going traditional how they used to do it, you know? Now, I've watched guys sling lead. I watched Bill do it a few times, and it's an art. How long did it take you to to get your craft going the way it needs to? Um, I mean, to tell you the truth, I, I, I picked it up kind of fast just because I, I had always grown up watching Grandpa do it. And then when it came time for me to actually do my first lead job, Grandpa was like, you know, go go do this lead job. And I said, well, aren't you going to come show me, Grandpa, you know, what to do and this and that? And he goes, what to do? What do you mean what to do? You've been watching me your whole life. You know how to do it. Go do it. <laughs> so he kind of just threw me in there and just made me do it. And I just learned from my mistakes real quick. And I picked it up pretty fast, but it is art form, and it's hard to keep the heat at the right temp, and you don't want to melt melt it off or get it too hot and it, it is an art form it definitely is how many custom cars have you built now um i want to say roughly around a dozen since i've been about 17 last 12 13 years i've, I've built almost one a year and so, uh, when you were voted for at sema for 30 under 30 what did they send you a plaque? Uh, they, yeah, they sent me a nice award and a plaque, and they uh, gave me credits in their their program for the for the year. What do you you know? We were just talking about uh, the RPM Act. Are you familiar with that? Where the California Air Resource Board is trying to limit uh, r- racing because of emissions. What do you think about that with custom cars? I mean, there's always been you know regulations and and stuff that they want to try to cut you down on and this this takes me back to a few years ago i even got pulled over i was in my 94 chevy silverado and the cop pulled me over and told me my truck was too low that it was unsafe (laughs) and and i didn't want to tell you know i had adjustable suspension on it but i didn't want to tell him oh i have adjustable suspension then he was going to write me up for that and that takes me back to why they started hydraulics and why grandpa started hydraulics in the early 60s was for that very reason because the cops were giving all the guys in Bellflower and Lakewood tickets for their cars being too low. So the hydraulics were actually considered lifts. That's what they were calling them back then. Mm -hmm. So that's where it all came from, you know, was the laws and regulations. And, you know, your grandfather is considered uh, the father of hydraulics in the lowrider community. They really uh, revere him for that. And you uh, have in your garage the very first uh, lift that he built, don't you? Yeah, we actually have um, the 59 Chevy Buddha buggy, which was the very first Impala ever in the world to have hydraulic lifts on it. And they're still functioning to this day. Wow. Yeah, he was quite a mechanical genius. He he was one of the first to engineer a retractable convertible uh, 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 top armature, wasn't he? Right. Yeah, he did that in forty one. In nineteen forty one, and Troy Ladd yeah. just won for that at America's Most Beautiful Roadster on uh, Bruce Wanta's Mulholland mm-hmm. Speedster, utilizing that same engineering. And gr- your grandpa had been doing it since way back when. Since even right. before Troy was even thought of. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, Bill was quite a, an amazing guy. He could look at something and tell you right away how to do it. 
He was like a mechanical mechanical genius. Have you picked up the smoking of the cigar yet? Uh? Oh, no, that I haven't. I no. can't. I can't take the cigar smoke. That I haven't done yet. <laughs> I had enough of it throughout my lifetime. Enough of the second hand. I think I'm good. Yeah, all right. We've we've got on screen right now for those of you watching. We've got a picture of Bill Hines standing in front of a great custom Ford F Series pickup truck, and uh, Bill was a mainstay at uh, West Coast Customs. I remember meeting him a number of times. I think Anna, you introduced me to him uh, a bunch of years ago. But uh, the cars that he came up with were just amazing craftsmanship. Uh, how did he influence you as to uh, your design styles? Um, you know, he just, uh, the way he did things was, was, uh, it was, he, he liked to streamline stuff. He made everything flow. So to me, that's what it's all about is making it flow, making the top. If you're going to chop a top, it's got to flow with the deck lid and the quarters and everything has to flow. Okay. That's kind of, you know, my, my technique is making it look appealing to the eye. Well, you know, Bill even tried to take over the Studebaker project and told Mitch he wanted to put fins oh, yeah. on it because he loved fins. Yeah, I, I can see that in yeah. some of the cars you guys have built. I mean, I know. Fins. You know, it's funny, Mitch, you talk about the flow. One of the things that uh, I don't understand about the current uh, car design uh, habit, it's been for about five years now, is that headlights and taillights now are bulging out of the body sides. It's as if the innards of the car is being squeezed out so that you no longer have headlights and taillights on a modern car that are sort of fared in and flow mm -hmm. with the body. Now there's these blobs that they've added uh, to the right. outside, which to me is the, the antithetical to a good car design. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. And also the same with how they've been Frenching them and Frenching them real deep into the fender and tunneling them. And that's not, I don't prefer that style. That's not really my style. I prefer more of the flow look and the tucked in and smooth and not bulgy and big and stuff like that. There's the Buddha buggy yes. on, on, on screen. I remember seeing that car when I was a kid. When I first moved to California, I saw that car at a show and fell instantly in love with customs. And I've never, at that time, we called them customs, not lowriders. Mm -hmm. Right. And to me, even a lowrider today, it's still a custom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you get down to it, uh, they've just gotten more extravagant in the style of paint, the level of, of detail. I mean, the level of detail you see today, like at the Grand National Roadster Show, I was looking at a number of the, the lowriders, but they're, they're really customs to me. And the detail all the way down into the chassis. They, the chassis is finished just as well as the bodies on the car. Yeah, and the paint jobs, the the, the multi colors, the candies, the the flake jobs, it's all through there. Now I got a question for you though, uh, Mitch. What is the most asked question of you when someone talks to you about customizing a car? Uh, I would have to say the chop tops. You know, okay. I get a lot of questions on chop tops and guys wanting tips on how to do their own car in their garage and stuff like that. And I'm cool with it. You know, if if you want to go ahead and cut cut your car up and and go for it, that's cool. You know, I'll, I'll help out anyone that wants to chop their top. But isn't the biggest problem leaving the hump or the dip in the back where the window meets the the body, or um, cutting it so that the car flexes? Because you you kind of damage the structural integrity when you chop a car, don't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's um, tons of precautions you need to take before you even start cutting. You know, you got to brace brace everything up and brace your doors, brace the inside, and I even brace the roof. I put a brace across the roof before I cut it off so that when the 
the top comes off the car. Not only does the car brace, but the roof is also braced in that same position. And yeah, and like you said, the back hump where the catwalk meets the deck lid in the back window, that whole section is real tough on certain cars. And that's a lot of the reasons why me and Grandpa would cut down the quarters and, and drop everything down, drop the whole deck lid down with the roof. You know, you get more of a flow, better look like that way. God, that's amazing. And yeah. and the fact that you would have to, with cars that have curved glass at the rear, that must be a real hassle to try to get things to fit right. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's also why we'll drop stuff down or take everything down at once with the, with the top so that it all comes down. Or sometimes we'll have to make a pocket for a back window so that the, the back window is almost still a full window where it's not cut, but it, it tucks down in a pocket. And you can't tell once the rubber's on there and the chrome trim is all the way around the window you can't really tell oh sure nice trick why didn't i think of that (laughs) now did you chop a car live at at in salina uh yeah last year we actually did uh me and keith ding actually did two cars in three days we did a 40 merc and i believe it was a 52 dodge oh yeah they came out good and it was fun we now, do that show every year. Wow, the Dodge. Which which model Dodge did you start with? Um, it was a sedan. It was a two door, but it came out pretty nice. Yeah, those are a, those are hard to chop. Because, yeah, those are those mo- early Mopars are very hard to chop because they're kind of like a bowler hat. Right. Oh yeah, it's like an army hat. Yeah, yeah. They they got the big turret roofs on those things. Uh, right. I've seen a few, and I haven't really cared for some of them, but. Uh, you know, if you've been able to do that successfully and make it look proportioned, that was the biggest problem. Oh, yeah. Is proportions on those Mopars. We have your Instagram page up now, which is what, Heinz Custom 86? Right. And so if anybody wanted to make an appointment with you, they could Instagram you or Facebook you? Yeah, they could send me a message on there or uh, send me a message to my email, which is almost the same thing. It's HeinzCustom at Yahoo.com, custom with a K. That's great. They have to stand in line behind the Studebaker, though. (laughs) Oh, yeah. we got a waiting list going on. Oh, it's good. Now, the Studebaker is actually an ongoing tech article uh, called Lady Luck in Old School Rods magazine. And we've actually showed how to create your own uh, French and peaked headlight for a Studebaker because Studebakers mm. are extremely unusual cars, yeah. and that you can't just get it an aftermarket part for it. And we first tried Frenching it with a Merc headlight ring, which was too round, and Mitch had to fa- hand fabricate it into more of an oval shape, and then he peaked it. And we did the whole step-by-step by showing the templates and everything. So it's been actually fun. And to tell you the truth, I have such a respect for car customizers now because mm-hmm. it is a lot of work. It is all hand labor. It's a passion for the automobile, too, you know. It's amazing. And Mitch is going to carry on that legacy, which is fabulous. Mitch, is it difficult to get the lead nowadays that everyone keeps saying, oh, it's lead, we got to stay away from that? Right. Um, no, I mean, I have one spot that me and Grandpa have used throughout the years, and they've still continued to supply me with it. So I, I don't have a problem getting it. I know, uh, I believe Eastwood sells some, but I don't like the mix they they sell. It's a little tough to use. So we have a we have a company in downtown LA that makes it for us. 
and it's a secret recipe, and we'll have to kill everybody if we tell it. So we're not telling the secret recipe. No, nothing. Yeah, I can attest to the part that yeah, we I know nothing, and I can prove. But you know, when I was watching Bill led, he was so skilled. It looked like he was buttering bread. It was something else. I can remember yeah, watching. you got to watch out for that uh, fender, and it gets hot. Right, and yeah. I touched it. I said, oh, let's look at this, and touched it, and didn't know that the fender actually heats all the way up to the firewall. And I burned my hand, and Bill looked at me, and he said, it's hot. And I said, oh, well, how about this? And I touched it further down and burned my hand again. He said, no, that's hot, too. Oh, <laughs> so, what color you know, is your hair? Live and learn. Yeah, I'm yeah, a blonde. Blonde, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, it's funny, too, because uh, so many old cars came. There was factory-led to fill in seams and stuff. And so, you know, a lot of times you'd be taking the paint off, factory paint off an old car, some project. And you go, holy cow, these things were coming straight out of the factory with lead in them. Yeah. Because that's what they use. I remember when I was a kid, I was at uh, an Oldsmobile dealer. And he was, I was in the body shop because my my stepfather was having his car fixed. And I was watching a guy lead in a door. He had the whole door that he had fixed a dent. And, you know, hammered it out as much as he could. But you had to put a skim layer of lead on it to smooth it out. And I was watching this guy, and I had no clue what the heck he was doing. Hmm. But it was before the days of Bondo. Yeah. I'm that old. And Mm -hmm. um, it it was just amazing for me to watch him butter that. Basically, that's what he was doing. He was buttering the, the door with lead. You know, some of those customs at, at Salina and West Coast Customs have lead jobs on them that are over 25 years old, and they're still holding up. It's amazing. We're, we're looking at a picture now of a Chop Top shoebox Ford from about 1949, 1950. It's got huge wings on it. In an, that's the I, bat. That's the bat. That's okay. the real Batmobile. The real bat. <laughs> that's before George Barris's Batmobile, and Bill before, Hines used to work for George Barris. Ah, before George took the Futura car from Ford and created, painted it black and all of a sudden it became the Batmobile. Yeah, um, no, We won't talk about that. Anyway, I've got another opinion of that. But, but Bill, I think Bill, I think Bill really influenced George on that vehicle because Bill was a master of fins. Well, he would, yeah, I mean, he did. I mean, Sam was a different guy. Sam made everything subtle. Yeah. And he did good. How much lead would you use on a typical custom job? What? what how much weight do you add to a car? Oh, it, I mean, it depends on the extent of the lead job. If you're leading the whole car, the chop top, the, yeah. the headlights, the taillights, I mean, you're talking 300 pounds of lead wow. for a full custom. That's amazing. That's like carrying yeah. a mother-in-law in the car with you all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. be nice. Well, I mean, or, or, or it could be more, you know, like the bat. Um, that's very extensive custom work. Those fins that Grandpa added, that's a lot of lead, you know, so... That car's probably got anywhere from three to four hundred and fifty pounds of lead in it. Wow. I think he said there was more than that. I, I there think, may be. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he knew the exact amount, but there very well could be more than four hundred pounds of lead in that car. Yes. Wow. Well, you know. Are you ever, Mitch? Are you ever considering doing workshops on lead, like Gene Winfield does with his uh, workshops? Have you considered? Yeah, I think that would be fun. I wouldn't mind doing it. You know, I think it would be great to get some younger kids involved and get the youth involved in the old traditions of custom cars. That'd be awesome. You know, one of the things we might do, just thinking about that, and help you and and give us another topic to cover, is the gas cruise-in at your shop and maybe have you do some uh, lead demonstrations on that Studebaker since you're working on it already, and then maybe uh, 
talk people into coming to a class and you teach it. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be great. I'd right. be definitely interested in that. All right, well, let's work on that, and we'll have a gas day at your shop and uh, have an open house, and uh, everyone can get gas and lead at the same time. Gas and lead. Yeah. Gas oh, and lead. Yeah. <laughs> I miss leaded gas. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we call it, the leaded gas day. Well, you know, Mitch is still organizing the shop because Bill okay. had like 60 years worth of parts, oh, and yeah. and he's still working on getting it all set up, and I think that would be a great idea once it's all uh, put together. What city are you in? Definitely. What city are you in, Mitch? Uh, we're in North Long Beach. North Long, okay, I'm not too far from you there. North Long Beach, and we're going to try and get it. But get in touch with Mitch Hines. Go to his Facebook page or Instagram. Check it out. King of Customs uh, was referred to as George Barris, but right now you're the prince. <laughs> That's Thank great. You. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Mitch. It was a pleasure to talk to you, and we'll have you on the show again. And you've taught us a lot of cool things, and uh, we'll look forward to doing some projects with you in the future. And we will talk to thanks. you about doing a cruise at your place. Get, yeah, you know, that'd be great. We'll get people over there and see exactly the work you're doing, and and see that Studebaker that's being featured in that magazine of unknown ownership. You'd be surprised how many people watch that. I mean, I get, I get emails and people talking to me at shows all the time how's that car coming what's mitch doing now and mm -hmm. it's actually really pulled the community together it's fun they all feel like they're part of it and that's what it's all about we'll we'll do it we'll get it done we'll we'll coordinate with you offline and see what we can do sounds good guys thanks for having me on all right mitch thank you for calling in and you've got gas now keep on cruising later (laughs) bye-bye geez uh, that is a great idea bob yeah I'm I mean, glad you not? came up with that. I, you know, it, it just spills out of my, when the gas builds up, something's got to come out. In, uh, <laughs> out of your fertile mind. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's something that's been called. Uh, yeah. Boy, yeah. <laughs> oh, what I've been called. All right, ladies what? and gentlemen, thank you very much. You've got gas. We're going to continue on. We're going to take a little bit of a break here. Uh, Bruce, can you put up the uh, the Famoso Speed Shop? All right, Bruce, what are you going to do this weekend? we got a big weekend coming up in the automotive industry here in Southern California. but what's The Winter Nationals. The Winter Nationals. we got two things coming up, and I'm going to be uh, doing some stuff. Bruce, what are you doing? Well, you know, all the talk of lead and, of course, images like this, the bat, yeah. just make me want to get back in. I, I, oh, wow, there's so much stuff to do. Yeah. For the first time in what feels like forever, I'm pulling the cover off the Lincoln. Oh! And actually driving it. You, you have a go. beautiful finned vehicle downstairs that yes. you need to drive more. Well, well it's yes. yeah, you guys, you know, we, we stood uh, all the weather predictions on their collective ears uh, yes. this winter in Southern California, and uh, I didn't really anticipate that. I don't have storage space for that car. It's too big. So, uh, <laughs> so it, you know, it, it hangs out outside, stored essentially under heavy fabric. But yes. uh, So that's going to be a fun time, and, yeah. uh, you know, y- you guys probably already know this, but I've got this. I think I might have mentioned this on an earlier episode. I, I, I need to push it out of the garage and get on it, the wife is saying. That's the only way this car is going to get finished, is this 59 Galaxy that I'm turning oh. into, speaking of Barris, turning yeah. into the, the TV Batmobile. You are. Yeah, and it's not going to happen if I just leave it parked inside. No, a 59? Yeah, it's a 59, which means it's honestly Difficult. a bit short. 
Yeah. I, you know, by by a couple of inches, the wheelbase is going to be a bit short. Right. So, you know, you just you structure the car accordingly. But the top's already off. I've already got all the domes, the windshields, the center hoop. Really? All that crap's already on the car. Wow. Uh, so now it's just a matter. And the, uh, the bat wings at the rear, everything, yeah. it looks right. Okay. But it's still in primer, and there's a load of the uh, of work to do. The lower skirt that kind of circles the entire car, there's yeah. this lower section mm-hmm. on the Batmobile, and that kind of exists in theory. <laughs> Let's it's, get Mitch in your garage and make that a project car. Now, see, yeah. Mitch could and then, totally and then we'll whip drive this it. thing in. Yeah. <laughs> um, he'd probably go, all right, let's tear everything off and start over. That's no, he wouldn't do that. No, he wouldn't. But, you know, for those of you that are tuning in and uh, are not familiar with the heritage of the original Barris Batmobile, that was basically a show car from Ford Motor Company called the Futura. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be a Lincoln now, it, it ended up coming out as some of those styling cues as a Lincoln later on, but this was much earlier than the actual production Lincoln that had the the coved headlights, so the covers over the headlights, and the fins in the back. But if you find pictures, go into uh, go to Google and Google the Ford Futura. It's about 1952, I believe, 53 era, when the first show version of it hit the streets. Well, never really hit the streets, but hit the show circuit. It was a concept vehicle for Ford. I often it was yep. white. This is yeah, a version pictured in red. Red, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was painted at one point. It was used in some movie early on too. It was yeah. a, like some Rock Hudson movie. The, or this something. one, uh, you know, although it looks like it, it, it looks a little bit small for the real Batmobile. It also looks too it's tall. Too tall. Yeah, this may be one of those uh, replicas. Just look at how high he's sitting. Yeah, I believe this is also some work in progress. It's obviously it might be. Be. because but look at the beautiful aerodynamic body lines on that. Yeah, isn't that yeah. fascinating? Right. It's just gorgeous. It, yeah. Well, no. What that? Yeah. That looking at this. There's no chrome on this. Yeah. You're this right. This has got to be a reproduction that someone or a, a copy someone has made yeah. of uh, the original future. The, the original future, like you said, was white, mm-hmm. and it was very long, very large, and it was eventually to become the Lincoln. But George bought this car for I think what was it a buck when Ford wanted to get rid of it. Yeah. Painted it black, radius the fender wells, put a red stripe on the thing, and a bunch of little doodads, and it became the Batmobile for Adam West. And they built it like there in it three seconds yeah. because they had a deadline. Had it was amazing. Here, here's the original one. Now, if you look at it, it's, it's a whole lot lower than that red one we just had online. Yeah. And uh, the a lot of the styling cues, like the, the headlight covers and the shape of them, got onto the Lincoln in 1956. Yeah, you're right. That, that is very true. The, obviously, the 56 Lincoln was not this extreme. But no. yeah, the basic shape was very similar. The basic shape carried over to a number of different vehicles. And if you look at some of the show cars from Ford, maybe we'll do a show on that. I did that uh, a few years ago, but we'll bring back some of the concept vehicles from Ford and General Motors and to see what styling cues actually made it into production. And it'd be you'd be very surprised as to how many things did and how many things never did. Yeah. Well, well, they were taking a lot of cues from aviation, too, and oh, early yes. NASA influences and right. trying to make them look like rocket ships. And yeah. Yeah. and it's interesting that the cars of the future that we have today are all fiberglass and batteries. I know. It's <laughs> yeah. funny. It's just a, it's the direction they were going. It just took us a while to get there. And, of course, and you mentioned the space age, which is what a lot of 50s cars look like. They mm-hmm. all look like rocket ships. Yeah. But um, uh, the especially GM's Firebird series yes. of cars, they looked like rockets. 
They right. look like yeah. airplanes. And, yeah. and I remember going back to the Woodward Dream Cruise a few years ago, and GM had actually, there's a 50-style diner on Woodward Boulevard, and it's in the center of where a lot of the cruising was going on. GM actually rented the whole facility for the day, filled the parking lot with their concept cars, and the original Firebird that really looks like a jet that just took the wings <laughs> off. It does. It kind of reminds me, too, of uh, Craig Breedlove's yeah, the land car, speed the record. The land speed car. Yeah. But it was there, and it was the first time I had seen it in person, and that, that was just an amazing sight. Was that the Spirit of America? The Spirit of America, the Spirit was, of America. was Craig Breedlove's car that he went off the end of uh, the Bonneville Salt Flats, found the only puddle, and sunk. But uh, he, he set the speed record with that car. But the Firebird was along those lines in style, considerably smaller than Breedlove's. But so Bruce is going to be working on his Batmobile. Anna, what do you got planned for the weekend? This weekend, I'll probably, I don't know, might do a photo shoot or something. And something like that. Yeah, you're yeah. always a little bit I'm busy. at the Peterson Museum. You're at the Peterson this weekend. Yeah, you doing are, uh, vault tours. You were the, oh, the tour guide for man. the vault. You're the docent. Well, I'm kind of like an automotive historian more than a, a vault tour guide. Okay. But uh, it, it is fun down there. I call it a car party because you yeah. never know what's going to be down there. It's, it's a uh, constantly living, breathing exhibit. Right, and you never who, know who's going to be there. And that's true, too. I mean, well, Jack Black came in the other day. He did. Yeah, what? he did. He yeah. he's there often. Peterson yeah. Museum of the Heart. Of and Tom the Arnold Lake. comes in a lot oh, too. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know. So that. it's great. And the new remodeled. I gotta say, I am extremely impressed by the insides of the new Peterson. Oh, we've got so much exhibit space. Yes. And speaking of ex- exhibit space, yes. uh, the Dan Gurney Eagles came in. Who did it? And uh, on Valentine's Day, they're doing special tours in the vault, one-hour tours on a certain category. So if you want to come in and mm. just see performance vehicles, you can. Or if you want to just see the Hollywood cars, you can. And wow. it's $12 a tour. What's up, bad? Yeah. That's great. And I, I, I've been lucky enough that... Before you were born, oh. almost no. Um, a friend of mine used to be the uh, the main guy there at Peterson a decade or so ago, and I got the tour of the vault. Was that Dick Messer? Dick Messer. We love Dick Messer. He's and in Florida now, isn't is he? He, he, I, he yeah. retired. He's he's gone. He's no, he's in Florida. He's in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he's not. He's gone from California. He's gone to Florida, but he had a great. He, he was. Uh, he had a Seattle. He used to road race at vintage uh. races. He was a car enthusiast. He had a Nomad that he bought when he was a teenager. He still had it, and it was beautiful. And then he was with Peterson Museum for uh, what 15, 20 years. Yeah. And was a friend of Bob Peterson as well. Right. And now we have um, Leslie Kendall still there. Mm -hmm. And Dana's still there. Mm -hmm. And um, we have Terry Cargis now. Okay. Is uh, replaced Dick. And he's doing a phenomenal job. And we have lots of parties there. And um, it's, it's just so much fun. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. I tell you what, if you want to know the history of the automobile, even from the days of AAA, Absolutely. They have a special there on the Automobile Club of America, Southern California version. Hmm. And a lot of people don't know this, but uh, you look, for those of you who know what AAA is or throughout the country, you think, of, oh, it's an insurance company or you got roadside assistance. Well, that's not what it started out to be. AAA was a club, it was a car club. They set up cruises, rallies, and things for automotive enthusiasts in the early 1900s. It wasn't until later on, about 1912, that their members needed insurance to cover them on their horseless carriages, basically. And AAA went into the car insurance business and the roadside assistance. Now, in California, the original Highway Patrol 
was the Automobile Club of Southern California. Crazy. They That's right. Do, they used to do the street signs. They used to do uh, right, the, the mile markers. Signs. Yes. They had roadside service. They mapped out. They made maps so people yeah. wouldn't get lost and die in their cars. That's true. So they knew where they were going. <laughs> yeah. They even mapped the Pan American Highway. And one of the original vehicles used that were specially built by Ford in 1929 is still in existence. The AAA has it in their, uh, what they call their Ace Garage here in Southern California, the original 1929 Ford Roadster pickup that was used to map the Pan American Highway. There were three. There's one known to exist, and AAA still has it. And they bought it after it was restored from a local person here in Southern California that just happened upon it and started restoring it. And then when looked into the history of it, found out it was the AAA car. Amazing. So he's got it. Uh, AAA's restored a number of vehicles. They've got a Cameo pickup truck they restored that was an original service vehicle oh, here in man. Southern California. And uh, it's a great history uh, lesson when you go to the Peterson. Oh, yeah. There's a whole section on the Automobile Club and how it affected Southern California life. So that's something to do. Yeah, we talk about AAA at the Peterson. Yeah. We say, thank God for AAA because if yep. it wasn't for them, our tow truck would be a cow in a chain. That's true. Uh. You never know. I mean, they, 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 they commercialized the, and got service for everybody, including they do glass replacement on cars. They had service to do that, take, you know, come to you to put the glass in the car. So everything that you see today is nothing really new. It's just a lot of entrepreneurs have done it. Now, for the weekend, I'm going to be busy. For yeah, what you, you got going tomorrow on? Tomorrow morning, I'm going out to Pomona. It's the first day of qualifying for the NHRA Winter Nationals. Nice. I'm going to be out there, going to be saying hello to whoever I can and uh, who's ever ready to go. The fuel cars won't qualify tomorrow, so I'm going to be talking to a lot of the fuel guys. Maybe we can get Jack Beckman or someone here on on the studio sometime to, right. to talk with us about the current state of the fuel dragster. Uh, Leah is there. She's Leah going to Pritchard. be there. Leah Pritchard. Yeah. And Friday night. I'm going to be moderator for the Night of Champions at the NHRA Museum. Leah Pritchard's going to be part of it. Bones Balo is going to be part of it. Wow. And we've got Krista, the granddaughter of Chris Caramassini. Wow. And she's going to be on with us as long. And there's going to be another gentleman. I Unfortunately, my mind's gone blank. Now, is Krista racing? She is racing. Krista's she's, racing. She's driving an A-Fuel Dragster. Last I checked, we'll find out more about what she's doing Friday night. But it's free. Come into the museum. Holy 6 cow. 6 p.m. Friday night at the NHRA Motorsports Museum. We'll have the Night of Champions. And I'll be moderating it with four current drivers. Leah Pruitt, being the newest of the DSR team, is going to be there with us on stage, you get to ask questions of her. We'll ask questions of her and let her talk about her experiences. She got a full ride this year. Yep. Papa John, I believe, is the uh, sponsor. Stepped up along with uh, whoever else she's got. I got. I'm going to get a whole list from her as to what's going on with her, and we'll be talking about that. Then right after that, I head down to beautiful downtown Palm Springs for the Dr. George Car Show. This is a benefit show, not the Dr. George the West Coasters knew as the weatherman. This was an oncologist in the Palm Springs area that put together a fund that no patient, regardless of income, would go untreated for cancer. Wow. So the the uh, Palm Springs Cruising Association puts on the Dr. George Show every year at the big tennis courts down there in Indian Wells, the Indian Wells Tennis Courts, where they run the professional tennis tournaments and they put on a show last year there were 900 cars Yo, they're boy. expecting more than that i'm going to be the <laughs> mc there we've got a lot of top people coming in to talk to us we'll be doing a, a small version of gas 
right there on stage throughout the day at the Dr. George Show in, in Indian Wells. Come on down, say hello. Man. Can I just add something about the NHRA Museum? Yes, please. They unveiled at the Grand National oh, Roadster yes. Show the Beast 3 or 4. Which one was it? Yes. I think it was the Beast <laughs> 3 that George Barris worked on. <coughs> Excuse me. Very, and it's yeah. a beautiful car. Beautiful. Fully Lands, restored. Yeah. To what it to the original version of it was. There was different incarnations throughout its racing history. They brought it back to what it originally was, and they unveiled it for the Peterson Museum, the Checkered Flag Club, on uh, what was it Wednesday night, and then unveiled it or Thursday night. What, it's beautiful. It's a land, it. yeah, land speed car, and yeah. actually Sam Barris and Chet Herbert worked on that yeah. car. And then they unveiled it for the public at the Grand National Roadster Show Friday evening or Saturday evening. I forget. It all runs together. I think it was so Friday morning. Life. It was Friday morning. Oh, no, Friday morning and Saturday night? I Saturday think? night. Yeah, they had a party. Yeah. Another car party. Another car party. Yeah. So lots going on. If you've got an event that you want us to talk about, let us know. Put it paste. Put it on gas on Facebook. Go to Grand Great American Auto Scene on Facebook. Post your car shows that are coming up. If you got a tech question, ask us your tech question. We'll get it taken care of for you. Excellent. Yes. Wow, I think we've tied that one together with uh, so. all the rope and string we could find in the back room. We did. We did. And bubblegum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and gotta, spit. Yes. And glue. So that's where that came <laughs> from. Uh, I remember her. <laughs> wow. Another story altogether. We'll get into that in another episode. Oh, okay, then. Well, Man. thanks for coming. We've all got gas. <laughs> yeah, look what happened. <laughs> All right, the Encore presentation is going to be happening in just a little bit. You can watch it again on Facebook. It's streamed live. It'll be staying on Facebook. You can get onto it on Gas, Great American Auto Scene on Facebook. Or go to our archive page on GotGas, GotGas.com, the official site of gastronomics. Zoom, zoom. <laughs> <laughs>